Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development, where Andrew and I talk to experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. All right, welcome to episode 127 of the Office 365 Developer Podcast. Coatsy, how are you doing today? Hey, Rich, I love 127. And, you know, it's just the inner geek in me doing that, of course, because it's, uh, it's 111111. You know, that's, I just, that's just me. Are you going to bust out with your weird like numbers pattern things? Well, one twenty-seven is one of those cool numbers, right? It's 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 you know, two to the seven minus one, which is great. That's a prime it, number, right? Is one hundred twenty-seven a prime number? It, it could be. I, I hadn't checked that out, but it looks like it is. I like that, man. If you can figure out a way of working out whether something's a prime number by looking at it, that's a that's a very a very very cool thing. Rather than having to factorize it. I think it is, but anyway, we'll, so I'm sure one of our listeners will correct me if, if I'm wrong. But, uh, anyway, I just like it because it's all the ones in binary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's going on in your world? Oh man, I, I'm having a lot of fun at the moment. In fact, um, one of the things that uh, that I'm that I'm doing a lot of is working with uh, working with uh, some of our partners on building some uh, uh, conversations, a platform projects, some bots, and some and some language understanding projects, uh, which I'm really enjoying. And I'm just getting super excited about Build coming up as well. So I'm going across to Build uh, in uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, and uh, you and I are going to get together and record some podcasts there, apart from lots of other things. That's right. Yeah, it should be cool. I mean, I I tell you what, I'm I am neck probably above the head deep in build right now uh, i can't wait for it to be over but um you know the you know it's funny like you build demos for yourself and you kind of like get it working and you know the flow but like when you're building a demo for someone else that's going to be in a keynote um like you have so much more you know you have to script out every word every click you need like the mitigation plans you need right. the backups it's um it's a lot of work but hopefully it'll be all worth it so I, uh, I remember yeah. chatting to, to Damien Edwards um, a little while ago about his first experience at a build and I'd, I'd been to a few of them but this is the first time he'd been to one and been backstage and just how blown away he was with the infrastructure that sits behind a, a build keynote or a PDC keynote it was I think at that stage or a tech ed or an ignite keynote it's just phenomenally amount of infrastructure that goes it goes behind the scenes to making sure that you get the seamless experience you generally get at one of these keynotes. It's 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 amazing. You know, multiple yeah, backup redundant machines. Uh, you know, people duplicating exactly what the presenter's doing on stage on another box in case something goes wrong. It's uh, it's very very cool. Yeah, it's it's like a rock concert behind the scenes. Like it, the amount of gear and um, we stack two tables high, like a table on top of a table. So you put the machines over your head to save space and then like the the first tier of table is where you work but you're right i mean it's um you're following almost like exactly the mouse for what they're doing on stage in case something goes wrong you basically have a kvm switch and you just swap over to the the backup um you know it's you know you don't want to be the the person that's responsible for a demo that goes wrong if it's like a satya demo or you know someone else any of our executives to be quite honest so uh yeah it's fun yeah, very, very cool. Anyway, the, the updates for the week, it's it's pretty light from that standpoint, but we have a really good show that we'll jump into here in just a moment. 
you know, obviously the PNP team, they're always super, super busy. Uh, there's a few things out this week. feels like they have at least two things every week. So this week there is the April 2017 release notes. So you can go and check out what's in the SharePoint PNP for that April 2017 release. And then um, they have a webcast on managing modern experiences in SharePoint Online. So, um, again, they always do great stuff, so highly recommend you guys checking those out. Very cool indeed. Uh, our mate Jeremy Thake, um, a little while ago, in fact, almost a year ago, he did a post on uh, using Azure Functions with the Graph and Bing's Translator APIs. He's done a bit of an update to that. Worth checking that out. Just some ideas about um, about bringing um, the Microsoft Graph and some of the, the cool APIs in uh, in Azure uh, all together, as well as uh, as well as serverless serverless computing. Definitely worth having a, a squeeze at that one. And while I'm on that with Jeremy, not one that I've got in the show notes yet, but I will put in there, is he did a, a, a very short um, a short video just the other day on using uh, Chrome Profile, something I know you and I have spoken about uh, briefly, but but using Chrome Profiles for using different identities in Office 365. Um, the number of people I've had come up to me after we talked about it on the show, uh, I guess uh, four or five or maybe, maybe even uh, a dozen shows ago, um, has been quite incredible. Uh, you looked at me like I was stupid not having heard about it, but apparently there are other people who hadn't heard about it either. And so I'm just uh, putting it out there again. If you haven't used Chrome profiles for managing your identities when you're doing Office Dev, then you should definitely have a look at that. You know, it's funny. I, I still don't use them. Uh, even though I, I'm aware of them, I just like I'm too lazy to do it, even though it would probably save me a ton of time in the long run. I just like, in fact, today, uh, speaking of build, I was preparing for a demo at build and, and we have a tenant and a backup tenant. So everything that I put in one, I need to put it in the other. And I'm all, uh, constantly going in as different users. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to use Chrome in private for one and I'm going to use IE or Edge in private for the other. Uh, yeah, so I could probably, you know, take a, a lesson from Jeremy's post. But uh, I don't know. I'm one of those people that is <laughs> just likes to, I guess, abuse himself with things. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, moving right along, uh, Julie Turner. We haven't seen anything from Julie in a while, but she did a kind of an interesting post. If you, you're working with any of Microsoft's online services, you know, I, I would say you'd hope that most things are stored in like a UTC-based date, but that's not always the case. And so she talks about here that uh, the, the title of this is SharePoint Time. It's not your time. It's, it's, it's not their time. Uh, but this ultimately talks through how you can do some adjustments based upon UTC or based upon, you know, if there is, if there happened to be something that was more centralized around, you know, where the cloud infrastructure sits. Um, you know, in the U.S., we, we have things on the two coasts and then we have central. There's not, I don't think we have anything in the mountain time zone, but um, it, it ultimately uh, talks through how you can do some adjustments and she, she has some code script here to help with some of that. Absolutely, and look, time is one of those things that that people struggle with a lot. Uh, getting getting that right is uh, is so important. So the more help you can give, that the better. Uh, Victor Willen's been uh, been busy again. How to share, generate SharePoint framework bundles for multiple tenants? Now this is. Um uh, it, it, there's a, a SharePoint Framework build URL rewrite node package that uh, that, that he's built uh, that helps you basically uh, uh, build up your SharePoint Framework and distribute it to the to the appropriate tenants. Yeah, man, he's I tell you, but he's been knocking out all kinds of uh, really good automation type things, whether it be something like this, but also you know he did the the work a few weeks back around the yeoman generator for doing a teams tab i know he actually met with bill Bliss, who we had on the show and a few others from 
Microsoft Teams when he was in Redmond the other week. So uh, he probably has some other great things up his sleeve and excited to see some of that come out. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, for the show this week, uh, we had an, another announcement on dev.office.com that we haven't mentioned yet, but uh, there's a, a brand new Office add-in that's available in the store called the Script Lab. And we didn't really talk about Napa so much in the show, but this is, in a lot of ways, it's kind of a an evolution of Napa that, you know, Napa ran in its own little standalone website, and then you had to launch into Office Online in order to kind of test some of the scenarios. This actually just runs inside of Office. It's an add-in for kind of manipulating the script that an add-in can run. Um, super interesting stuff. What do you think, Coatsy? Man, I, this is one of the shows that I really oh, – I always enjoy recording our shows, but, but these guys uh, who who have written this, this add-in are just so passionate and so pumped about, about this, this thing that they've done. They've found a, they found a, 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 a niche uh, which, uh, which needed filling, uh, and they've just gone about building from scratch this, this awesome development-slash-playground environment that lives inside Office but allows you to do all your Office dev testing and, 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 and uh, script sharing as part of that. Uh, it's um, – you know – when you find people who are so excited about the stuff they've written, it's always fun talking to them. Yep, so let's run the show. All right, well, welcome to the podcast, Mikhail Zlodkovsky and Bargov Krishna. Did I get that right, guys? Yep, yep, that's perfect. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, uh, super thanks for being on the show today. I think it's really timely with some of the things you guys been, have been working on. But before we get into that, uh, why don't each of you guys give me a little bit of background about kind of who you are, what you do at Microsoft, what's your history with Microsoft, and, you know, maybe we'll start with Mikhail. Um, perfect, sure. So uh, I'm Mikhail Slotkowski. I've been, uh, my wife was actually laughing about this recently, that I've been very much into Excel development for like 10 years straight. Uh, so I, I was doing some uh, VBA for uh, my uncle. He was a market researcher and needed some stuff done. And then I loved that so much, I then uh, created the project in VSTO, which was the next generation from that. And I knew exactly where I wanted to work. I wanted to work at Microsoft on, you know, on the place that actually is building this stuff. Uh, so I've had a very straight shot in that direction. Um, I was initially a program manager on the Visual Studio side for uh, about two and a half years, and then have switched to be a dev uh, here within the office organization uh, for the last two and a half as well. Awesome. And, and so how long have you been at Microsoft Total? Uh, five years, just just over. Great. And Bargov, tell me about yourself. Well, uh, I've always wanted to work for Microsoft ever since I was 10 years old, I guess. Uh, I started using Office products from the beginning, and then I got I got really in love with them. And then I thought, okay, one day I'm going to work for Microsoft. And lo and behold, here I am working for Microsoft as a developer. Uh, I've been working with Microsoft for three and a half years now. I joined the office organization last year, and uh, I'm, continue, I'm continuing to be part of it right now. I'm currently working on Microsoft Teams. Um, so, yeah, that's about me. I love these stories that people tell. They leave out all the middle bits. It's like that famous uh, pinky in the brain. Step one, steal socks. Step three, take over the world. You know, <laughs> It's just all the middle bits in the middle. That's fantastic. I, I love it. I also love it that you guys have both grown up with a passion for Office Dev, which is obviously very something very special to us on the show. But it's an interesting thing out there in the rest of the world. Not everyone shares your passion. How do you guys get? How did you guys get passionate about developing for Office? Let's start with you, Bhagav. Um So I have always been working with Excel. At least uh, I've been writing macros when I was a kid. Before my dad is a big Excel addict. 
he does most of the um, the family finances in Excel. He has a nice Excel workbook which says, okay, so in this month we spent so much money, in this month we got so much money. And so if you've used Mint, it's like his version of Mint on Excel. So I've and I see him write these convoluted procedures, writing a lot of macros, writing a lot of if and if def definitions across the place. And I feel okay, you know what? We can make it simpler. So that's when I came to know about the Office JavaScript API and that they wanted to look for web developers inside of the Office JavaScript APIs. So I felt, okay, fine, uh, I can help them. I can help uh, learn how to write Office JavaScript APIs. And at the same time, I can write things which will help my father do his job more easily. And that's how I got interested, at least. And then I met Mikhail. Um, it was uh, actually... Uh, a couple of months after I joined the team, I met Mikhail and someone told me that uh, he's the guy you need to talk to about TypeScript and JavaScript and Office JavaScript APIs. He's the guy you need to go to. So I met him. We had a good conversation about something. And then he eventually said, you know what? I'm working on this project. Uh, come and join me. And that's how we got started with the Playground, uh, which is now known as ScriptLab. You know, that's kind of one of the reasons we wanted to have you guys on the show is that ScriptLab was launched this week. It's, it's probably the, the biggest news we have in the Office 365 developer world. Um, give our listeners just kind of the elevator speech or summary of, of what ScriptLab is. Well, how, why would they use it, um, and what does it do? Sure. Uh, let me go ahead and do that one. So I think right now with web development especially, uh, developers are used to being able to really easily try things out. Like you can just go to open up your browser and just use the console, or you can use something like JS Fiddle, CodePen. Like there's a whole bunch of these playgrounds. Uh, where it's really really easy to try things out and kick the tires and realize, oh, okay, yeah, I like this. Uh, with Office add-ins, I think we have a really um, great platform that's really developing. We've had this huge push for APIs over the last two and a half years, uh, but it's actually quite difficult uh, to get started. And so the idea came to me uh, as sort of like, could we get, have a JS Fiddle-like experience uh, that's right built within Excel uh, that would help people go and try out uh, these APIs faster? Very cool. So I know that um, we've we've had things similar to this, but it was really, I guess, it was a precursor to all the more advanced things that we can do with Office JS. So I remember there being like an API uh, tutorial add-in that allowed you to do, you know, really high-level things like get selected data async and set selected data async, or work with some bindings, all the stuff prior to the big Office JS update that came a few years back. Kind of like, is this an evolution of that? Uh, I think it's a conceptually, yes. Um, it is evolution, but it's also, we wanted to have something that felt more... Um, more like a genuine developer environment in that you actually, it wasn't just about the APIs and the JavaScript. You could actually go and do the HTML and CSS and bring in external libraries and have this much more richly integrated um, experience. You have a workspace where you can go and store multiple snippets so you can go and try things out uh, and then switch back and forth. You have the samples there as well to help guide you, but you're not quite constrained within the samples and within this uh, you know the idea of a tutorial that you just follow end to end. So we want it to be a little bit more free, uh, free exploration, and also to have the sharing aspect, which uh, to me that's actually the single most important thing. Uh, is you know when you look at Stack Overflow on questions about JavaScript, you have all of this like, oh here's my code, why is it not working? And someone replies, here's a JS fiddle uh, that works. 
And so my goal was actually to see that come to uh, to fruition, where people could go to Stack Overflow, ask a question about Office JS, and here, uh, lo and behold, here's a link, here's a code, uh, you can go and run that. That's very cool. Where does it run? Like, it's it's a it's an add-in for for Office. Does it run in all the Office apps, or is it just Word, Excel, and PowerPoint, or how does that work? Uh, for now, it is Word, Excel, uh, PowerPoint, and Project. Uh, and then we're also talking with uh, other teams about onboarding that as well. Uh, I think you'll probably have the most interesting experience inside of Excel and Word since that is where, over the last uh, two years, where the new wave of APIs have been coming, uh, and then OneNote as well, uh, though they have not quite onboarded yet. So, um, Bargov, maybe you can answer this one for me. Is I, I noticed in the uh, the announcement of this is that it was a uh, a project through... The garage at Microsoft. What is that like? Like I, I know that I've seen really interesting things coming out of the garage, but for our listeners that aren't familiar with that, uh, maybe you can help kind of clear that up. So Garage's uh, internal um, team inside of Microsoft, whose responsibility is to ship uh, whatever in code that we write as in our free time or whatever projects that we come up with. And essentially, from dev- from the development aspect of things, you could build something overnight, but to actually get it in the hands of customers and partners, there are a lot of steps involved. Um, things like uh, checking the language is correct, checking, making sure the iconography is not offending somebody, or making sure that you know how to release it to different people, how you're going to maintain releases, and making sure that uh, nothing breaks in production. So these sort of things which are obvious, but then it is important to be done, and maybe all of us don't do it, because we built something exciting and we just wanted to ship it out right there, then and there to all the people. So Garage steps in there and helps you, they channel all of that energy and they help you ship that in a reasonably professional manner. They try to show you, okay, you need to do this next, you need to do that next. You need to take a bunch of steps to get this hand, to get this into the hands of customers and partners. And I think that's why Garage is awesome. Yeah, so I know that um, the culture at Microsoft is really embrace this idea of you know when you have an idea go off and and build it now sometimes that's on your free time sometimes you know if you have a good manager they'll let you you know spend some cycles during your normal uh, you know work time but you can and sometimes like it's, if it's such a great idea they might actually say hey we're going to put you full time on this if it relates to your the group that you're in but um, you know to, to your point uh, the garage really helps helps i think deliver things that as a developer you you probably don't care as much about like you want to move on to the next thing or to the next like enhancement to it where you know they can really help um i think put the bow around something and get it out the door and there's been a lot of there's been a lot of things in the office 365 developer space and even just things in the general um i think uh what was it like a few uh, maybe like five or six years ago there was a a really popular game i think it was wordament that uh, actually yeah, yeah. kind of grew up through the garage. Like it was an in, a Microsoft employee built it and, you know, they helped kind of uh, make it solid for something that's production. So it's really cool that they adopted uh, this as, as a, an effort and, and helped that uh, get out the door. Very cool. And, and actually, I think to uh, touch on that as well, the history of this project is actually interesting in that uh, this really was a labor of love uh, that was sparked by the fact that Microsoft every year has a hackathon 
where for two and a half days you can do sort of anything that you think is useful and interesting that helps you grow as a developer uh, and that sort of thing. And so for me, uh, you know, I had this idea in mind, and then right before the hackathon, I had met Bargav, uh, who is very much a web developer. Uh, and so we thought, okay, let's partner on this together, have the vision, uh, go and execute on it. And uh, we had a within about three days, we did have a working prototype of the vision, though it is very much, uh, you know, now looking back on it, it, it was very much an early prototype. At the time, we thought it was the coolest thing since sliced bread. Uh, <laughs> but we can, uh, we kept working on it, uh, you know, on weekends and evenings. Uh, and then at some point, I think uh, something that I'm really proud of is that both our managers uh, saw the vision and, it, and saw that even though it wasn't necessarily their charter per se. Uh, that they saw that we believed in it, that we were putting in the effort, uh, and so they sort of let us go and spend some of our work time on it. So, you know, some of it came from my manager's budget, some of it came from my wife's me help around the house budget, but it actually got uh, time-shared in that regard. Plus, I was doing, you know, my normal work, uh, which is the API design and the, you know, the common Java uh, JavaScript runtime stuff uh, that happens with the APIs. Um, but I think seeing that through, uh, having our management support it, uh, and then you know, give us more and more people on it in the sense that we suddenly had a designer help us. You know, that was cool. We suddenly had a program manager help go and drive some of the conversations uh, with uh, legal and just getting the paperwork ready and the, you know, the compliance stuff with the garage. So that was really awesome. Yeah, it's very cool indeed. I, I, I love this idea of, of us embracing the, the concept of entrepreneurship, and it's something that, uh, that that's happened more gradually. I mean, I've, I've been at Microsoft now for you know, 30, just over 13 years, and, and there's been a real switch in, in my in in my uh, opinion that and you know, the, the way we've approached these things. Very, very cool indeed. Um, it's not the only moonlighting project you've done, by the way, or are doing. I heard whispers on the grapevine that you were in the middle of writing a book. Yes, uh, yes I am. That one actually is a mood lighting project. Uh, this was kind of half and half. Uh, but the idea, um, the funny thing and the way it kind of connects is that uh, the project actually came out, uh, the script lab came out of the idea that I was writing a book. Uh, it is a e, uh, an e-book, something that is published online. And it's, uh, the concept there is actually cool in that it's an evergreen book. So it's something that I'm never going to be done with it per se, and I certainly <laughs> don't have enough time in my evenings and weekends to go and finish it. But I do have content that as, you know, periodically as people ask questions on Stack Overflow or whatever, I go and I write a section and I can kind of keep this um, this book growing. So right now it's at 200-some uh, uh, pages. But anyway, as as part of me writing that book, I realized that I was going and showing these examples of here are some nice simple things you can do with Office uh, with Office JS, and here are some uh, tips about uh, the TypeScript async await and how you would incorporate that with our uh, APIs and so forth. But there was this real lack of a place for people to go and play around with it, and so that's when you know the playground to go and play around, um, and so that's how those two connect. Cool. So what's the technology behind uh, the script lab? Like what, what sort of, uh, obviously building an office add-in, we're talking about client-side technologies, but, you know, did you guys do, you know, pure JavaScript? Did you use TypeScript? Did you use any sort of specific frameworks, whether that be, you know, the Office UI Fabric or React or Angular? What, what, give me the lay of the land in terms of technology side of delivering this project. Well, to, in the technology side, at least, we used almost everything that we could find cutting edge today. Um, when we started this project in one week, um, Angular 2 was out. It was in beta at that point of time, and uh, it was it was the next thing around the corner that people were talking about it. So we thought, okay, you know what, we're going to build this in Angular 2. 
So we picked up Angular 2. To that, we added uh, Fabric. Uh, we didn't add Fabric React because uh, it's React and it's not Angular 2. So we just picked up the plain old Fabric that we could get, and we tried to use that inside of it. Um, then uh, we added uh, a thing called uh, NGRX Store, which is basically Redux ported over for the Angular folks. Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely amazing on how you can build really complex applications, make it very simple using NGRX Store. And then to build it all together, we used something called as Webpack, which is which was something new that I'd heard at that point uh, about six months back. But then now that I've used it enough, I've, I'm absolutely in love with it. I advise everybody to just use Webpack because it's really awesome. But yeah, so that, that's the technology front of it. Everything is client-side. It's basically a web application that runs inside of Office. Bhagav, I think we should definitely have you back on the show at some stage just to talk about your dev environment and how you set stuff up for doing for doing office dev because it sounds like uh, you know people could learn a lot about that. The the um so so just just so I've got it clear in my head and, and perhaps for for our listeners as well, uh, the way I envisage the script uh, the script lab editor is is it that it is a focused IDE for office development or at least office samples that runs inside an office client. So you've actually got an office client running on on the side. You have a place where you can put JavaScript and, and, and HTML and CSS uh, to see what the results are. Is that a, a fair way of, uh, of putting it? Absolutely. That's perfect. And actually, to add on to a previous question, uh, and the, you know, watching Bargav code, uh, it actually honestly has been an eye-opening experience to me. Uh, I am a developer, but I wasn't necessarily a web developer. Um, you know, I loved TypeScript, and we do use TypeScript, but uh, to actually see the whole... Uh, NPM, Node, um, JavaScript world, and seeing how uh, Bragev would go and have VS Code running. Inside of it, there's an integrated terminal where he would go and run NPM scripts. Uh, you have TypeScript compiling in the background. You have browser sync going and refreshing your page as soon as you touch anything. Um, you know, we were using, even though it is, uh, most of the uh, application is client-side, the editor, but we also have a server-side component, which does the TypeScript compilation. So whenever you click run, we actually send it to the server. It does some uh, the compilation validation and gives you back an HTML page with all of your uh, final HTML and JavaScript and CSS embedded so that can go and show up uh, in an iframe. And so, um, yeah, I think it's actually, we've used pretty much everything uh, in the technology stack. And it was really cool seeing uh, just how many of these uh, libraries there are on the web and how vibrant of a community there is around them as well. That's very cool. I mean, that's one of the things I was going to ask you is how much of the stuff did you just pull off the shelf and how much did you have to really customize and, and make work for, for this environment? Um, I think uh, we did end up customizing quite a bit of things, but now it's much simpler. I mean, for example, the entire Webpack configuration that we have is handwritten, but now Angular actually ships with something known as the Angular compiler, which, which for which they have actually done all of this stuff. They have SAS compilation built in, they have watches built in, and they, 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 it's just awesome. So I guess anybody who's starting off with an Angular 2 project today should definitely just use the Angular compiler from get-go. But uh, for us, we had to build it from scratch because it wasn't available then. What about the editor itself? Uh, how did you go about putting that component in there? Oh, the editor actually was uh, no work, not much work to us because uh, thankfully we have a team called the Monaco editor team, uh, which is uh, a subset of the VS Code. Uh, if you use VS Code, and you absolutely should, absolutely should. So the Monaco editor team actually writes this uh, web port of VS Code, and that's what we use as the underlying framework to bring up the editor. It's absolutely brilliant, and all we had to do is call a bunch of APIs and make sure we integrate tightly with the IntelliSense engine, we integrate tightly with the um, the, the, the text engine, and I, I think everything else worked out from there. 
I was just going to say I love talking to people like you because uh, yeah, it, we just had to integrate with these things, and that was fine. I, it, it just, I, I'm sure you're hiding away a bunch of the complexity that happened in there, but, uh, but, but the, the, the beautiful understatement about how simple this was is, is, a, is a lovely thing to hear. Uh, one other thing, though, is actually how energizing this sort of stuff is. Um, I mean, not only was it actually our project and sort of you know, something we were pushing through, but also just from a technology stack perspective, it is very, very fun to be working uh, in the sort of environment that we're trying to build. So we were using uh, Git from the very start and uh, GitHub. So initially, we had the project veiled uh, behind a secret, uh, you know, a, a secret entrance just because we wanted to have the marketing splash. But you know, that aside, we actually were doing uh, a whole bunch of commits. We were doing pull requests. We were filing issues and cross-referencing them and closing them. You know, we were going and using the other TypeScript, uh, the TypeScript compiler, which itself is open source, Monaco, which is open source. Uh, and so there's really this awesome feeling when you go and you make a small change, browser sync picks it up, you immediately see it running correctly in your browser, you say, that's great, I push to master, we have Travis, uh, which was the other, other thing we forgot to mention. Uh, Travis is a continuous uh, integration tool. And so that picks it up, and as soon as we... As soon as a commit comes through to master, it goes and deploys to our staging website. We go take a look. At that point, I say, great, it worked. I'm going to send a pull request um, you know, to Bargov to review before we go and merge it into Insiders. Like, It's actually been really, really fun at just how quickly these things uh, work and how you have all of these uh, services configured to work together. Yeah, especially coming from office where I hear that uh, builds take sometimes uh, over a couple of hours. I think uh, watching Travis do it in a bunch of seconds or minutes, in fact, was really awesome. I think uh, in, in terms of technology, the one other thing I would add is uh, if anybody is using promises today, they should definitely also take a look at observables because um, we started looking at observables for this project and, uh, my God, they're amazing. Uh, it, it's, an underlying AP, it's an underlying API of promises, but the the amount of flexibility that you get when you're writing code using observables is just amazing. And I've had a fantastic time with that. And speaking of, <laughs> there's also for people writing async um, and await, uh, or a- asynchronous code, which actually includes people who are writing add-ins, right? Our whole um, API model is based on this uh, model where you have a batch of commands you're sending, and then you do a await context.sync, and then you do some more stuff, you request some data to load, and then you await context.sync. And so being able to do that await uh, using the TypeScript 2.1 async await syntax is actually incredible. Um, Like, you'd think it's just syntax sugar, but it actually gets rid of a lot of the indentation and the weirdness about declaring variables ahead of time so you have them in the right scope, and all of that uh, just goes away with... TypeScript uh, and async await. Uh, actually, w- when I started writing my book, at the time, that was in uh, November last year, or uh, October. And so at the time, I felt like, well, you know, TypeScript is optional. Like, you know, if, if you like TypeScript, great, but otherwise, you know, JavaScript is the, the language of the world. Uh, but actually, with async await in particular, it's just been incredible how much easier it is to go and uh, write these things. So I think if you want to really experience our APIs in the happiest possible way, uh, use TypeScript. I think, um, sorry to keep on adding on this, but to add to Mikhail, the final thing that I'm going to add today, um, at least is, uh, for those who are still confused about this JavaScript versus TypeScript, I would say there is no competition between them. Um, TypeScript is essentially JavaScript with syntactical sugar. 
you the types the types part of TypeScript is completely optional. So you could take a JavaScript as is and paste it inside of a TypeScript file, and everything will just run as is. No changes required. So I think it's awesome, and everyone should just use TypeScript because it's very easy to get onto it. And then you could from there you could the, the sky's the limit. You could do a lot of things with TypeScript, and that's when you'll really see some of the benefits of the platform. I feel like I I need a school myself on some of the like development patterns. Is is this is this project something that you guys have open source now? Is it something that's on like the Office Dev GitHub repo, or like is it still private? No, no, no. It's public. It's all open source. In fact, we want people to go take a look at the source code and tell us what we are doing wrong or what we could be doing better or contribute to it, file more issues. But yeah, it's on GitHub. You could go to the Office Dev uh, GitHub repository and search for uh, the GitHub account and search for ScriptLab with the repository name. If you don't want to do uh, the editing, I mean, if you don't want to contribute to the script lab editor itself, but want to make some amazing samples and snippets, or you have some crazy ideas, you could also go to script lab samples. Uh, I think it's now called Office JS snippets. You could go to Office JS snippets, and um, there you could start contributing all your amazing samples, which will show up in script lab. But but actually, one of the things, uh, like from the very start, uh, the thing that Bargav and I were in 100% agreement about is that. This isn't just a dev tool. It actually is also a showcase of sort of the best that you can do with uh, Microsoft Office add-in technology. And so part of the reason we actually were so excited to throw so much technology at this is for people to be able to see how do you use Fabric, how do you use Webpack, how do you do, do Angular and TypeScript with, uh, with OfficeJS. So it's definitely very much a... Go take a look at the patterns of both the UX, the coding uh, practices. All of that is something that we would love for people to go and be able to adopt for their projects as well. So I'm going to ask you guys each. A, I'm going to have you each answer this question. I want to know, like, what is like an interesting, like your favorite feature of the Script Lab, and then maybe like uh, an interesting hidden feature. And they might be one of the same. You know, maybe your like your favorite feature is something that is less obvious but tell me like what you like each of you feel is your favorite feature and then like maybe the a hidden feature that isn't quite as obvious i'll let miguel go first sure um so for me uh sharing i think sharing was the most important thing and we actually do have some other uh work planned for that matter if anyone is interested and wants to do pull requests and you know help us out with that it'll just get done faster uh but with sharing uh, you can go and on any given snippet you can share it as a github gist and what that means is that uh it now becomes this shared uh url you can go and give it to someone else to go and import uh, but some of the things we're thinking about uh, is actually allowing you to, or having the script lab be able to go and run a view version of a snippet so that even without you downloading uh, the Office add-in, you could simply go to the browser and actually see the tabbed experience of the script, the HTML, the JavaScript, and so forth. And also that you would have a open in Playground button that would actually go and launch a document for you uh, you know, with ScriptLab already preloaded, with uh, already the, uh, the snippet imported. We're not quite there yet, though it is very much on our, um, you know, in the forthcoming horizon. But just the ability to share and import, I think, is absolutely huge. Um, and then for uh, something that might be non-obvious uh, is the way that we currently have uh, for people who are using Office 365... Uh, which is to say the subscription-based Office. So not just Office uh, 2016 MSI, but uh, the, the subscription-based. 
that includes a whole bunch of new APIs, first of all. So as our team continues to deliver APIs on a you know, quarterly cadence, there's more and more new uh, stuff going there. It also has support for add-in commands, which means the, uh, the ribbon can be, can be customized. And so our add-in makes um, use of both of those. And so in the ribbon, you'll see two buttons, uh, along with others, a run and a code. So the code brings up the editor. The run is the way you run the snippets. And uh, what we do is we actually establish this heartbeat connection between the runner and the editor so that as soon as you make any small change in the runner, you can go uh, click refresh, and it uh, does a almost instantaneous load of the snippet in its now new form. Uh, and then what it also allows you to do is that it means that your code editor has not changed. So you actually still have access to your undo stack. So you can go and undo some change if you decided that wasn't a good idea. Or you can even go and load up another sample, return to the previous one, you know, copy-paste within these things. And so because we're not switching context, but rather we're talking between two separate task panes, um, you know, that opens up a really nice uh, editing workflow that's really fast. So is this going to end up being the new end-user way of distributing scripts or, or the new macro, the, 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 the latest VBA? Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going with this, right? I, I, sure. Now, I, I think this is something that um, we are looking into. I mean, I think it would actually be misadvertising to say that this is an end-user tool right now. It's not. Uh, it doesn't have the isolation of the snippets built in, so some of the security stuff. And even though it's much more approachable, and even though TypeScript makes that much more approachable, uh, over you know, writing an add-in from scratch, uh, this is a developer playground, uh, at least for now. Uh, but that said, you know, it is obviously, you know, it doesn't escape our attention that it does look like an editor that people can easily code in. Um, you know, that's right there within uh, the Office host. So I'll, I'll leave it to that. Very cool. Uh, Bhagav, uh, perhaps you could answer the same question. You know, what's your favorite feature, and is there a hidden one perhaps that you don't uh, that, that you might think people might uh, not stumble across by mistake? Um, yeah, so my favorite feature uh, would definitely be the libraries section. Um, so script script lab today has four tabs. You see JavaScript, you see HTML, you see uh, you see CSS, and the fourth one is the libraries part. And uh, why it my, why it's my favorite is because um, I have been developing an uh, an help helper library called as Office JS Helpers for quite quite some time now. Essentially, it simplifies authentication inside and outside of Office add-ins to just three lines of code. So you could authenticate with literally any person, any any service today which supports OAuth, and you could do it in three lines of code. So when I was developing that library, I wanted to make sure to bring it in and write some sort of samples around that inside of ScriptLab. And uh, at that point, the library section definitely helped. So what we do for the libraries part is we depend on an uh, open source service known as Unpackage. Uh, it's from, uh, it's uh, spelled as unpkg.com. So we use Unpackage to get the libraries. And what it does is it just mirrors the node modules directory that you would get when you install any npm package. So if you published a library to npm, in the next instant, you could get that from Unpackage and you could serve it up. So if you wanted jQuery and you were a web developer and you used npm package, the npm package name of jQuery would just be jQuery. For Office, it's Office Fabric. It's Office UI Fabric. JS, Office UI Fabric Core, Office UI Fabric React. So if you put the same strings inside of the libraries tab, we know exactly what to fetch for you, and we'll just go fetch those uh, appropriate libraries. And I think that's by far really awesome, because when you move from script lab to your actual production build, 
you just put these put the strings in the library section inside of your package.json and you could get those files for yourself on your local development machine or in production so that's that's really awesome coming to the hidden feature oh yeah so i don't think Mikhail would want me to advertise this, but then uh, if if my favorite hidden feature would be uh, being able to use ScriptLab even on the web. So if you see the ScriptLab URL, which is script-lab.azureedge.net, you can open it up in any browser you want and use it as JS Fiddle or uh, an alternative to JS Fiddle which supports TypeScript and IntelliSense. And I think IntelliSense is the biggest benefit that we have there. You could open it up inside of the web editor and you could have two web pages open simultaneously, one for the editor and one for the runner. Just put a slash run at the end of the URL and you'll get the runner. And that way you could use a modern JS Fiddle version if you wanted. So that's that's a hidden feature at least. Right. I, I agree. And actually, I, I endorse that feature. Um, <laughs> you know, our, our flow at the moment is optimized for Office add-ins. So like if we were going for a purely web-based um, approach, we probably would have had, for example, an iframe right there within the editor, but for OfficeJS, for technical reasons, we actually needed it to be something that uh, is separate and requires a navigation. Uh, so, you know, right now, the flow and the samples are Office-based, but I actually do think that it is, hands down, the best uh, you know, JS Fiddle-like uh, playground experience you can have. Uh, one other thing, actually, when, uh, uh, when Bargat was mentioning the Libraries tab, uh, I agree, Unpackage is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and I think also with Unpackage, um, what we do for the IntelliSense, like suppose you want a jQuery, uh, so all you do is you type in jQuery, and then if you want uh, IntelliSense for jQuery, you do at types slash jQuery. We also shortlist jQuery, so you just type jQuery this time and we already pr produce the IntelliSense for it. Okay, fair enough. But for a library, uh, so f for some of the libraries we don't have in our nice uh, whitelist, you could actually still go ahead and do a at types slash library name uh, for anything. Uh, at types is sort of the, it's a child of the definitely typed repository. Um, it, there's actually a more uh, complex relationship there. But basically, all of the libraries known to mankind uh, that want to offer IntelliSense do that either through definitely typed or through their own packages. That flows into at types. Uh, and then we use actually unpackage uh, because at types is just a normal um, npm project. We use unpackage to go and bring down the typings uh, information, and so you get uh, the beauty of the IntelliSense and the ability to go and uh, do things like var, you know, range uh, colon excel dot range. But you could actually do that not just with our Office APIs, but with any other um, library that you need. Very cool. Awesome. Well, guys, you know, I, I got to say it's um, it's really exciting to hear the passion that you guys kind of exude around this. It's it's clear that you're very passionate and excited about uh, getting this out. And congratulations on uh, the the publish to the store and and the announcement around this. Um, I, you know, honestly, as someone that's built a number of office add-ins over the years, there's always a time where I'm like. I'm stumped and I'm like, well, how do I, how do I, you know, add fill to a cell, you know, do formatting slash fill. And, and like, I think that this has a really substantial potential to kind of be the de facto place to find those things. Like, I, obviously we have documentation, but in terms of being able to kind of like fiddle around with it and be able to even find samples that people have created that do various things. So, uh, kudos to the hard work and thanks for being on the show this week. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.
Well, that's all for this week. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts, the developer program, and other amazing content. Also, make sure you follow us at OfficeDev on both Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, get your code on.